0: Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of the Finding Backcountry podcast where our only and title sponsor is ourselves. In other words, go check out backpacklogistics.com it is taken off like crazy this year's already busier than last year it is a custom builder for your entire day's worth of food for backpacking so not only do you receive the entire day of food all sealed in a gallon bag but as you're building it you can sit and watch your calories your weight calories per ounce and even the macros of all of the food that you've created for that day. Um, and then you can get creative. Each day can be different. If you've got heavy day, light day, need more calories or less calories or whatever. And we will ship that up. Usually ship within 24 to 48 hours. Unless, like, you know, the whole team, a.k.a. my wife and I, are out of the uh, out of town or something like that on a trip. Uh, But I try to let everyone know. So backpacklogistics.com. Go check out the custom (laughs) mills. Hey, let's roll back the hunt series. Let's roll it back. I feel like that was such a cool series that I started last year. And if I can be diligent, if I can just be a little bit more, you know, inclusive with it and bring it into the field even, I think it's, I think it's a really sweet, valuable series. Um, Some people, man, I, listen, I've started listening to a lot of podcasts, you know, in the last five years. And I'm going to be honest, I've weeded out a far majority of the podcasts that I give a try to for whatever reason. Sometimes it's subject matter that I like right someone talking about mule deer or backcountry hunting or you know whatever um you know backpacking or how to you know gear reviews or whatever they're doing for the reason that I start listening I've weeded a lot of them out um just for various reasons sometimes there are even people that I know and like in person but I don't Believe they should be a podcast host and that doesn't mean anything because anybody can be a podcast host. it doesn't matter right it's free but anyway what i'm getting at is i value the individual solo podcasts that i do it's it's an art okay people who have their own podcast like i did for dozens and dozens of episodes and just interview someone else and let them rip off the answers and the host does 10% of the talking, the guest is the subject matter expert. Those are great. And when you get a good host that knows how to do that, and again, I've if you go back and listen, 90% of these episodes are like that. It just takes a different skill set and a different level of podcast host to do a solo episode like this talk to yourself in your own head have a conversation with yourself and be somewhat valuable or entertaining or inspiring or whatever and the funny thing is with this podcast I don't really care if I'm that uh comma I I think I do a pretty good job I think I do a pretty good job I entertain myself this is how I go through most of my day just talking to myself anyway like a crazy person and so i just did record it it's not that big a deal um situation driving so this is going to be let me back up this is going to be hunt series one 2023 i'm going to catch you up on where i've been what i've been doing how we got to this point and we'll go from there so rolling home it is scouting season and i mean the race is on right this is where we just hit august 1st or so and you know if you are after a specific type of animal if you're after a trophy animal if you're after uh a good hunting spot in general this is the time right you need to be locating those things that you're after now and not waiting this is a mistake that i've been making for years i believe is not that i didn't go do scouting trips but i wasn't desperate enough on those scouting trips to make sure that i you know and you Let me say this. You could go the whole season of scouting and not find anything. And you know what? Part of scouting is not finding what you're looking for. And you check that spot off the box. But if you have... Excuse me. If you have a decent idea of what you're doing. And you know how to do e-scouting nowadays relatively good. Then it shouldn't take you... I don't know. I mean three let's let's give a cushion of three if you do three weekend scouting trips whether that's you know just at i mean at bare minimum a night and a morning glassing in a location right i mean that would be like eh, you're pushing it but at very least and ideally you pull off a three-day weekend like i just did where you get an evening glass the full next day, so a morning and an evening, you have an opportunity to move camp like like I just did um, in the middle of that middle day. And then you get, obviously, the evening and the next morning. I mean, that, you can feel pretty good about, you know, if we're talking just a backcountry area, two, three, four basins, you know, it just depends how the layout is. But you, the area that you headed in there to hit, you can feel pretty good about it. Right. Whether it's you set and glass, you know, all four or five or whatever that is, glassing sessions at the same mountainside or you did, you know, evening and a morning and then you moved, you're feeling pretty good about that area. And so um, three of those throughout the year, if you, you know, don't find what you're looking for, then, you know, you <laughs> you might need to back up to the basics of now again i'm the first one to say i'm not that good at it yet but that's where you want to be you want i think you want to be at the three scouting trips and i've got my target buck right that would be ideal somewhere in those three scouting trips i think is reasonable i mean if you pull off three three three-day weekends and you, you know that gives you a morning or an evening a morning a night and a morning four times three is 12 i mean that's you're covering some country if you do it right you're you're putting some eyeballs and stuff so if you're struggling at that point you know you either need to lower your standards <laughs> or get different tags or go back to the basics of e-scouting and hone in why and where you're going before you ever leave because you might just be in the flat out wrong places but anyway the punchline is now's the time right because The more, and you guys, if you've listened to the last two, three, four episodes or whatever it's going to be at this point, specifically with the mule deer guys, uh, the key, the one of the keys is these guys are knowing about or finding bucks before the season starts. That is a common thread with guys who are purposely killing big mature bucks it just flat out is consistently and purposely killing mature high scoring or old deer they are finding them before the season starts or they found them last season maybe during the hunt or whenever they found them it doesn't really matter but they're finding them before the chunk of six or seven days that they have to hunt Um, and so that's where we're at right now the race is on and it's you're just a you know a an hourglass trickling down trying to beat the season opener to find your deer so this is the this is the tis the season as they say and that's where i've been um yeah just got back from a three-day uh you know a little bonsai deal man got my legs under me um and when I say that, I mean it hurt every single step to get my legs under me because I am so fat and so out of shape. And it's if you, listen, if you guys followed along last year, it's just gotten worse. Like I've got to get this under control. I have no self discipline when it comes to what I do and don't eat throughout the year. And every year about this time, you know that first hardcore scouting trip like I just had, I'm like, holy smokes, Dustin, what, what are we doing here, right? You just, you know, here's something that I took away from last season that I, that I clearly didn't, you know, keep to heart. is like, you, you can't underestimate how relentless these other hunters are. And it's been, a, it was a mantra for me going through last fall into the winter. But then, you know, one thing leads to another and life gets busy and you have this and that excuse and no self-discipline. But like, you just can't underestimate how relentless these other hunters are. In other words you've got to give yourself every advantage and i man i'm struggling with my fitness if i was to list out the top you know whatever 10 15 12 i don't know i'm just making that number up but you know the the key like top keys to being successful um and whatever those are gosh my fitness level is gotta be you know one of the top three priorities for me right now and it's it's not good so Um, but you know what, like I'm going to do quite a bit more scouting this year and I've already, I already have and hitting the Hills. And so that gets, you know, it gets your legs under, you can get away with a lot of bad decisions throughout the year. If you really put the miles in, um, you know, before the season starts, especially so, um, this scouting trip, uh, it was, it was good. It, um, it was in a spot that I hunted last year. And it was just good. It was, you know, there was nothing that stood out so much that was like, oh my gosh, that is my 100% my target buck. But here's the big kicker this year that I think we're all seeing a little bit is those hard winners seem. And I, again, I just heard a couple people say this and now I've seen it for myself. That hard winter must do something as far as the antler growth goes. It it just isn't the doesn't seem the same. There there were a couple of bucks that were just you know we're talking a uh, end of July, almost the last two or three days of July scouting trip, and there were a couple of bucks that were looked like what I would say you know is grown out or done or you know within ninety five percent of where they're gonna be. But there were also deer that you felt like should be grown out more, but they didn't look like they were going to grow out more. If that makes sense, you know, there's a difference between a buck that's like, you know, he's he's pushing his frame out and he's really balled up. And you can tell like, oh man, there's, you know, there's 40 more inches to go on him compared to a deer that's like, you know, let's just put a number on it. at Like, oh, he's hovering around 160 inches right now like he should like like you want to say he's going to put on another 30 inches but just doesn't have that look and his antlers are about done you know and maybe maybe it's just bad genetics but a few of the deer i looked at i just felt like they're in that weird like gosh man like i hope you put on another 20 to 30 inches in the next you know 10 days or 15 days and i know that's possible um you know from guys who are a lot more tuned into it than me but anyway We'll see. So, you know, listen, if you find any decent buck after your first scouting trip, that's your target buck, right? And so there's one or two of those from that that last trip that, you know, if things don't go well on these other scouting trips, I mean, definitely probably be right back in there, but, um, you know, also nothing so crazy that I'm going to dedicate my entire rest of my summer to watching or keeping an eye on, so... Yeah, I don't know. Let me know what you're seeing, where you're at. Uh, Is it, you know, are you seeing the same? Is it just bro science going around the podcast world, Uh, you know, or whatever? Because, you know, (laughs) this info can spread like wildfire nowadays, and it can all of a sudden it's just, you know, to Robbie Denning's credit, he has – tried or offered up you know different perspectives to debunk some of the just common you know just almost generalities that we accept you know whether there is some truth underlying or not you know we might believe it in a certain different way like oh antler point restriction you know puts the biggest bucks back on the mountain or or keeps bigger bucks on the mountain or something you know really blanketed like that And, you know, Robbie goes the extra mile to bring guys on who are experts and you, you know, you get a different perspective and you listen to it and like, okay, like, you know, maybe it's not exactly the way they're making it seem, but it's also not how I thought it was, right? So we, you know, we are, we're all learning. um, And so who knows, you know, this stuff, this world podcasting and everybody has a voice even, you know, Idiots like me, and so anybody can make up anything, and if (laughs) enough people believe it, so fact check me. I'm curious, you know, what you're seeing around your neck of the woods, but yeah, awesome first scouting trip. You know, what I did see that uh, is interesting is I saw two different this year's fawns with those, which I was again the way everyone was talking right the scuttlebutt going around the the water cooler of the hunting industry was that there wasn't going to be there wasn't going to be a single fawn survive you know and even the year and a half old what would be year and a half for the you know the the fawns from last year were all dead you know and I, i can't say i've seen you know what would be going on a year and a half or a you know just over a year old fawn from this trip but i did see two Brand new baby fawns, and that to me is you know a little counterintuitive for what everyone else is saying. I also saw a newborn, a new baby moose calf, and you know moose seem pretty resilient to any sort of bad weather, uh, especially relative to mule deer. But still, two two little baby fawns. The elk are doing fine. Uh, nobody needs to worry about that if you're the elk people. Hashtag save a mule deer, shoot cow elk. <laughs> it's a t-shirt or hat idea that i need to do but so that was promising you know just a small small sample size of one or two basins three basins we were checking out but um, did see a couple those with fawns which is nice so talked about scouting talked about antler development um a couple of my weapon setups you know <laughs> the the good and the bad about being someone who's becoming a little more laser focused. I'm not saying I don't have an antelope tag this year. I'm not saying I won't shoot at an elk if I see the right bull. Um, but coming from someone who's kind of laser focusing as much as I possibly can (laughs) allow myself or force myself on mule deer. Um, with that, I don't care what weapon I hunt with. I really don't. Uh, I prefer early season high country. so you know if it's gonna be muzzle loader or archery or even rifle, I like the early season stuff. I really enjoy the scouting um, again the high country in general, the backpacking. Not that you can't do that on a you know late October or you know early November. You know third rifle in colorado but it is not doesn't line up as nice or as well i frankly i don't love the cold i'm i'm becoming a lot more acclimated to it where i don't i literally don't care as much um as i used to just from living where i live and dealing with it for five plus years now but um if i was being honest i just i just prefer you know the early season vibe the whole deal the backpacking and the whole nine yards all the way up to you know say the end of september easier to find bucks i feel like um easier to get tags in general right there's just not a lot of um, november you know mid-november rut hunt mule deer rut hunt tags to go around so it's really really hard to grab some of those so Anyway, with that, you you kinda like if you wanna have a lot of opportunity, I feel like, um, and give yourself the best chance at a big old mature buck consistently, you kinda have to be a Swiss Army knife with all the weapons. And I feel like I have I have the background, right? I I used to run an archery shop when I, you know, dove headfirst into that so I know how to run set up my own bow and tune it. I you know, I shoot fairly consistently, but, you know, I also work at a place that deals with rifles and muzzle loaders. And so I kind of have the, you know, the expertise. If you have never really shot with a bow or don't know how to bow hunt or tune your own bow or whatever, then maybe you just stick with your rifle or, you know, vice versa. If you're a diehard archery guy, great. But just know that you're missing out on tag opportunities if you're not willing to just expand your horizons you know at some point i just had the conversation with myself do i really care that it's with or without a bow or do i just want to be hunting the high country you know years ago it was just hunting the back country and so oh there's some really good you know muzzle order tags and even some rifle tags where you can backpack in for sure and be effective you know now it's 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 more geared towards big bu- big bucks and uh, specifically, but no, I don't really care. In fact, I love it. I love the, the, the variety, the spice of, you know, throwing in a muzzleloader hunt and, you know, then you're back to your rifle tag or, you know, opening of first couple weeks as archery. And then it goes to rifle. Like I, I like it, uh, unpopular opinion. I'm not so sure that States like Wyoming should let you hunt, you know, Two weapons on the same tag um but that's another podcast another time so uh first diving into my archery setup just because you know people get interested in gear and what you're running and stuff i broke down and got a brand new hoyt rx7 ultra uh it is a 70 to 80 pound I ended up having to back it off to, I haven't actually pulled it, but it's around 75 probably to tune out the arrow setup that I'm running, which is a little, um, not different because I was running the same thing last year, but it's just a little lighter than I'm used to or that I've ran in years past. You know, it's like a 460 grain arrow, which is, trust me, for a lot of guys, that's, heavy (laughs) but when you have a 31 inch draw and you're you know pulling a a max 80 pound bow it just tuned out better at about 75 pounds and so that's where i'm running it because hey i have a 31 inch draw and a 75 pound bow and a 460 grain arrow i can shoot through anything i want really but that extra speed you know and i'm still i think the sight tape i ended up running i don't know 290 something you know, that's that's a good place to be, especially if I was going to shoot fixed blade broadheads, which I'm not. I'm going to shoot the severs. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's just, it for me, specifically mule deer hunting, if I come across, you know, the bull of a lifetime, so to speak, on a general tag, I'll shoot him for sure. But I'm really just there to hunt mule deer with my bow uh, with any of the tags I have. And so... That flatter, faster, little bit lighter, you know, definitely mid weight. Um, I think it. I think it plays better with the mule deer, and so that's what I'm running. That's my setup. Um, nothing changed on my bow except two main pieces of gear. I broke down and bought the quiverizer. I'm gonna give that a chance this year. I'm telling you that thing when when conditions are mild to very good meaning you know there's just a a, a slight wind uh or no wind i'm it's lights out like that the way that bow holds with that quiverizer and just the whole balance and the you know the stability of it it's as good as of a shooting bow as i've ever had now it's all the opposite's also true. When it gets bad, it kind of gets worse, right? Because there's just—I mean, picture that—it creates a little bit of a like a pendulum. You know, you got that thing way out there, that quiver, and when it's getting blown around, you know, there's just a real uh, opportunity for it to to get worse. So when it's good, it's better. When it's bad, it's probably a little worse than a traditional quiver. So we'll see. We'll see if the question is—is—is is, is it bad enough that it doesn't? You know that it's it's worse overall, right? Or does the the good make up for the bad, and is the bad not as bad as I think, or whatever? We'll see. Um, yeah. If you couldn't hear that rumble strip, I'm I'm drive literally driving home um, from a scouting trip and and a and a doctor's appointment, but um, basically a scouting trip. So, uh, and then the other piece of gear. <laughs> finally, after like I bet it's been ten or twelve years of running this old Bushnell 1200 arc or whatever the heck it was. And it, I mean, it was good enough, right? It got me to this point, but these archery specific rangefinders have just come light years. I would say in the archery world, they've come light years, um, you know, as far as the, not the ballistics, or maybe it is ballistics. Ah, no, it's not ballistics, but the, the arrow, inputs and the data inputs right is that ballistics is ballistics specific to rifles somebody help me out I should know that anyway um you know the the ability to lock in your archer's advantage info into this um I think it's the the loophole full draw rx five or something like that I can't remember exactly but it's the full draw version and the they're nicer the top end one you know, and it just, it it should, and again, I, I'm just on the beginning uh, steps of playing with it, but it should give me a little bit better, specifically, like, angle cuts that are a lot more precise and accurate for my setup. So, we'll see. It's definitely, I mean, the speed, the, you know, return of the laser, the accuracy, I mean, all around, it's a little smaller and slimmer than that Bushnell. Like, that thing was just, I mean, it was... What did I say, ten or twelve years old. So its day was coming. It the reason the reason that I even bit the bullet, <laughs> so to speak, was I was shooting a 3D shoot uh, a few months ago, and it started give, throwing me weird ranges for some reason. You know, it's been it is what it is technology wise, but it's been tried and true. Like that thing went ten plus years, and I don't believe it ever gave me. You know now. Now, I'm not saying that it wasn't miscalibrated, you know, a yard or two or whatever. But as long as it was consistent with itself, that's what my tape was set up off of. And I would just run my own range finder and it didn't matter, right? Because I would usually get a yard difference sometimes with guys. But again, as long as I'm relative to my range finder and my tape's dialed for that, then it was good. Um, but all of a sudden started throwing me... You know, it was like a hundred yard target or something. It was foobard. I mean, it was like, you know, not even close, obvious and had other rangefinders there to prove it. So that's all it took. That is all it takes. When you've got a piece of gear like that, that you rely on that much. I mean, you basically, um, sipping on a sugar-free Red Bull. Which are kind of underrated especially when you're like traveling and you've you've been eating like crap and you know your body's just kind of like you got that blah and and don't get me wrong i had a uh peachy keen monster this morning but when you're on that late night shift <laughs> like i am and you're driving home and you don't want like too much you just like they these little listen Still minus one for this little ten or twelve ounce can. Okay, we don't, you know. Everybody knows the rules, but it does. They do have their place. Anyway, um, when you lose confidence in a piece of gear like that that you, you rely on so much to be successful, like it doesn't matter that after that incident, you know, whatever next target or whatever, it seemed to be back to normal after a couple targets. Something happened, and but that's it. Like I'm not, I ain't gonna trust that thing. So my wife, can you, <laughs> she can use it. So we'll see. Uh, my muzzy prep, you know, the, the muzzy for me, I've, I ran this setup out of my uh, gunworks muzzy for a couple years now, at least two or three years, uh, I guess. And so not much crazy there other than um, it is a hunt that I'll be using the muzzy on that is in a state that allows scopes and so up until this point i've only ran the open sites and so i'm excited i just i threw a scope on it the other day um little call it a early prototype of one that we're working on that we have coming out at work and so that's always fun um but uh yeah just you know it's it's pretty even though there is an art to the muzzleloader thing in general you know i've, I've done a few of those hunts and so it's just a i just need to get the scope zeroed and shoot my groups and get you know recalibrate my data make sure I'm good and you know take me one or two more range days and I'll be good so um so that's there and then and then my rifle build so listen I I kind of uh little specialty uh project that I've had in the works for quite some time but just an ultra you know and this was this is an ultra ultra light backcountry gun um all in and done this was a very specific build okay and i'm like i'm very excited about this gun because it it's a very specific build um ultra light this this gun was built for one purpose and that is the ultimate backcountry mule deer gun i'm not saying i won't uh, hit an elk or tip an elk over with it because I'll do it But and right off anyone who follows me much is going to laugh uh, no it's not a 6.5 Creedmoor but you might even laugh harder because it is drum roll it's a quarter bore uh, if you haven't been following along so I, I had a 25 psalm reamed out uh, or, or, uh, chambered. And for a couple of reasons. So ultra light gun, I didn't want anything too big, right? I wanted just enough that it was, you know, a legitimate mule deer cartridge and an elk in a pinch out to, you know, reasonable distance, five, 600 yards or whatever. But, you know, and so in a gun, that light, this thing, Uh, all in and done with a titanium suppressor is hovering under with a scope under seven pounds six and three quarter or so and so you just can't get away with you know i felt like even a six five prc which would maybe be the logical answer or what people would think i would put in that like you know there's a difference between A 134 grain and a 147. Uh, Basically the same size cartridge or case. Basically, close enough. But running the little 130, a couple options. So, and that's the other thing. Listen, I'll say it here first. These quarter bore bullets are sleepers. Again, for just as, like if you're looking for a sheep gun, sheep build, mule deer gun, mule deer build. Antelope gun. You know, obviously guys been tipping antelope and deer over with, you know, 25 cal, 25 out sixes, whatever, 257 Weatherby's for years. Um, but these little 25 cal bullets, there's a there's a handful now. burgers has got two of them, the 133 uh elite hunter, I think, and then the one thirty five uh can't remember. Anyway, there's two of them there, the 133 and the 135. I can't remember exactly which model they call them, but um, they got those two, and they've had them for a while. Then Hornady came out, just again, almost flew under the radar. Like you know, people don't build a lot of 25s anymore, but they got this 134 ELDM that is what I'm uh, starting the initial load off of, build off of, and it's a sleeper, man. Three. Three something right in there three three something g7 and listen i've got that if you're a gun nut ballistics guy i've got a relatively mild load right the top end with h1000 with an 18 inch barrel 18 inch barrel was hovering i mean the the top end where we started seeing pressure signs Thirty fifty-ish, ish 3050, 3060, which is screaming i was when i built that with an 18 i was praying that i would push that 130 what whichever bullet you want to talk about around 29 29 50 i was going to be happy maxed out at like thirty fifty, and that was out of a fresh barrel um you know i'm not sure it wouldn't be a few feet per second faster now that i've got a hundred or so rounds through it but Backed her off. I'm I'm just I had to leave on this trip, and so I'm just kind of finishing polishing it off. I think it's gonna end up right around 3,000 feet a second, which is just oh gosh, like gives me the chills. Oh, that 134 going 3,000 feet a second out of an 18 inch barrel, and before you you know even think the word barrel burner, I couldn't care less. I i'm not the guy first of all nobody burns barrels very often very few people actually burn barrels second of all i'm definitely not that guy i get a load or a gun or whatever and i get all excited about it and i get the load tuned you know good enough and or dialed and then it's like yeah i'll pull it out and you know and i'm a i'm just i'll shoot something else or i move on to something else but i don't need to go shoot that gun over and over and over and over and over more than i need to right (coughs) excuse me and so i'm super excited it's uh it's been a dream uh one you know one thing i did have to sacrifice on the scope i love first focal planes but they're all just heavy (coughs) excuse me they're all relatively heavy you know and i could have sacrificed the extra five or six ounces or whatever we're talking but the other part is the price because a good first focal that's light i mean they're just they're a couple thousand bucks right and frankly i didn't have the money so i went the second focal i went with the leupold uh, vx5 and really love it other than uh, i think it's a 3 to 15 3 to 15 by 44 X5, it listen. It's gonna be a perfect match with this gun, but you just you know, you just have to be careful, right? Second focal plane. You can't screw around with your wind holds. You have to be at the max power or half power, really. You know, to be doing so, you're not doing a bunch of crazy math on your wind holds, and your you know your sub tension values, and and so we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm I feel like I have the the experience now to switch back and forth from first to second and not get myself in, you know, in a bind or do something stupid. So, um, you know, again, I think it's 15 power. 15 power is not a ton. It might be an 18. I can't remember. Anyway, whatever it is, it's not, you know, it's not like a 25 power where, you know, if you're running a 25 power second focal plane scope, like you've already put yourself in a You know maybe there's not a ton of them out there i know there's some 22s but you know if you got to be at 25 power for relatively every shot unless you're going to be at half you know 12 something power then you know you just you're asking for trouble if you got to be that high up and you're taking a relatively long shot or whatever so 15 18 power that's about where i want to be anyway so it shouldn't be a problem but love it love it love it um yeah slick little, slick little rifle. Um, what else? Development. Talked about that, man. Um, you know, hunts in general, uh, the last maybe one or two things here, um, God getting tags. It's, <laughs> you know, we say it every year. We think it and we say it and, you know, we just, <sighs> It's never going to get better. I, You know, there might be blips, right? There's going to be blips where it's, oh, you know, you can get tags again or, you know, the COVID era is kind of dying off maybe. And, you know, people who for one or two years got super excited about hunting and just really aren't as into it as they thought they are. Maybe they're going to get out. But, like, it's just getting harder and harder to get tags, right? It's such an anomaly. Like, listen, I understand, you know the we've got to get more people involved in hunting to back up hunting and to help us in our quest and i get it like i agree and i get it comma like it's start like it sucks you know if if that's what's really happening and more people are getting in you know then that would explain a bunch of the you know the just it's it's it's, it's hard to get tags it's hard to get good tags you know now years like this might be again they might be those those outside of the box even the regular box anomalies you know because you have a wet moisture year and everyone's freaking you know everyone's gung-ho everyone's convinced that you know every deer they see is going to be go from you know 120 to 195 or whatever because there's so much you know green feed or whatever so everyone jumped in, and you know, hopefully that, even you know, and we're talking the lower the lower half of the West, obviously, but maybe that evens itself out next year, and all of a sudden, you know, my point, the value of my points goes, you know, up more than it did, and I can draw all the tags I want. I don't know, but like it's just, you know, when when there's. Twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 people in line for over the counter tags in Idaho. And when there's, you know, there's no real chance at getting these leftover tags anymore in states like Colorado. And, you know, they've changed the Nevada first come first serve. That used to be a sleeper for me for a few years, right? I've got a couple a handful of tags that way. And that's changed now that they went resident, non resident. Like, so it's just, you know, the times they are changing and it's funny how when one state or one group or one people get an idea that hey it is time for change right for wherever that started how quickly that mentality spreads and so it's just you know you just di- you sit back the way things have gone you just can't imagine that 10 or or even 5 years from now but definitely 10 that anything's going to look the way it looks <laughs> right now and i'm just you know in general it probably will but a lot of those little fringe you know this tag we used to be able to overcount like it's it's happening right like it just anyway so i'm sitting on nothing like i'm sitting on nothing other than the laurels of me being a, a wyoming resident and i could go into the maverick and get my deer tag that cost you know, some non-residents, depending on where I'm hunting, you know, four to 12 points probably or 10 points. My elk tag, you know, is a three to four point type general tag. Um, you know, and like, that's all I'm, that's all I'm able to rest on right now. Um, just got my butt handed to me in the Colorado leftover. Cause you know, little foo bar in the, being able to get logged in and you know in the heat of the moment like that extra 20 seconds that's it like trust me i know how this goes if you stumble at all you're done <laughs> you're done and i stumbled coming out of the gate um there was also a fraction of the amount of tags on that leftover again why epic moisture year nobody's turning their tags back or just People getting more, more, are there more hunters, more people attacking these tags? I don't know, but it's real. It's there. Like, you know, you can look from year to year and it's like, man, there's just less leftover tags. So I don't know. Colorado still has the weekly turnbacks and stuff, but I never had any luck with those. It was just a complete, almost random um, program that they're running on that. And I think that's how this is going to go from here on out. So I'm not planning on anything here, right? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run my Wyoming deer tag and my elk tag and try to be happy. But I'm kind of, I'm a little, listen, when you're this into it, like I'm a little sick to my stomach, you know, and it's my own fault. I get pretty aggressive on my tags and my application strategy especially knowing that I'm a Wyoming resident you know I almost got too aggressive probably based on that fact this year but um well clearly I did because I didn't you know you always expect oh I'm gonna have two or three more tags than I want (laughs) I don't I have two or three less so um yeah that's I mean I don't have any tricks right like that's to get those tags, you got to know your stuff and you got to be skilled at it. And you, again, you can't, you know, you can't mess these things up. Any of these, at this point, these leftover turn back, you know, second chance, second draws, like you got to know what you're doing. So we'll see. Still hopeful that I'll end up with one more good deer tag. Somehow, some way, somewhere. We'll see. I think that's about it. been, been taking the horse out. Um, you know he's, yeah. <laughs> if anyone's looking for just a, he's gonna be an epic. You know, more woe than go. Just he's gonna go down the trail and not give you a, you know, basically not give you an ounce of trouble. But <laughs> he's not. He won't go anywhere fast. So if you got a a pack string, maybe a you know half drafts or whatever he's obviously what he is and he would fit in perfect like i don't know but i've got these you know my buddy and i between the two of us we've got three of these walking horses coming up behind him you know they're yearling and one two-year-old and a couple yearlings and um (laughs) just i just don't it's so hard to even think about selling a horse like him that just really doesn't give you any trouble right like he you know, the only trouble he gives you is the stuff that he's allowed to at this point, right? He's a three-year-old that, you know, basically has 30-something rides under his belt and been, you know, on backcountry trails and stuff, you know, a legit two or three or four times maybe, um, you know, in some real situations crossing the streams and the deadfall and all that. So the only trouble he gives you is the stuff that he's basically allowed to get away with, and everything else is just pretty dang good, man. Um, and it's hard; it's hard to even think about, you know, sending a horse like that down the line to someone else. But I don't know. Where <laughs> he's my horse, he's my hunting horse this year, and, and he's going to get his chance um, in in a certain state on a on a you know kind of a mid we'll call it a mid season elk hunt backcountry. Um, going with a friend and, and so he's going to get his, his, uh, you know, he's going to pay for his feed on that one hunt this year. But anyway, he's coming along good. Oh, old Poncho, Ponchito, I call him. He's, uh, he's a good boy, but okay. Well, how was that hunt series? You know, the, the next thing's up for me again, to, to end where we started is I'm just, I am heck bent just to keep it pg on this one i'm heck bent on on being diligent on my scouting you know even last year i had two three four weekends or whatever set aside and this come up and that come up and you let yourself slide and you know what it would be it would be easier this, do you know how much do you know how nice a time of year it is in wyoming right now like it's the reason to live here and so when you have a two or three day weekend or whatever you have coming up it's really hard to say. You know what? I'm gonna peel out at you know 4:59 on Friday, and be gone till Sunday at well after dark, you know, or whatever. Instead of just staying home with the boys, and you know, or grilling, or you know, smoking some bratwurst and watching a game, or you know, whatever, doing the yard work, right? Stuff that you don't even want to necessarily be doing, but needs to be. It's it is easy, but hey. Like, I've got to hold myself accountable to this, right? Um, and uh, so that's all that's coming up for me. You know, there's one or two weekends here that I've got to do. Like, I have to do some personal things, whether it's church or uh, helping my wife with stuff. You know, and so those are getting mixed in. But um, any, any weekend that I have free, you know, I've got them set aside two uh, more, at least two more. And i'm talking three days like i just did where it's you know a solid four glassing sessions so that's the bare minimum and that's what's coming up i got a a weekend off here coming up because it's my wife and i's anniversary 14 years if you can believe that um coming up on here so that's crazy um love that girl she she's a one-of-a-kind man if to know her is to just know that she's this pure-hearted and um, she's just she's she's too good for me everyone knows it I'll say it she's too good for me um, you know she lets me have all these crazy dreams in life uh, spend all of her money that she makes teaching <laughs> on hunting gear now I joke with her that, that her paycheck I I use that to pay the bills, right? The mortgage and the payments and the cars and the food and the gas and all that. And then I use my own for my play money. So, um, but no, she's, listen, I love her. And if she's listening, um, then, you know, don't make this awkward by bringing it up. Just let it be. And let's just, you know, pretend that I didn't say all this because I'm not good with all this awkwardness. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, dialing in weapons is top priority right now. Getting all my you know ducks in a row there, and a couple scouting trips, and then salvaging any sort of uh, fitness that I can uh, maintain. You know, the one thing is that it doesn't take many of those mountain trips. You know, even even every two weeks or so, like I'm going to be here if I can, if I can push myself you know two or three real good hard training sessions whether it's a really long hard run or you know one or two actual pack training you know hit a local you know mountain range for two or three miles whatever if you can just you know keep it polished off between now and then like you'll be surprised how quick even if you're fat and out of shape like me how quick you'll get those mountain legs under you and the next trip will be night and day different if you can bridge that gap you know the next two weeks uh in this in this instance so that's kind of top three priorities i appreciate you guys following along let's do this um if you listen if you listen this long even through my like sappy you know love story to my wife let's throw a new uh promo code i'll get it up uh long before this episode goes live so um let's start a new one that's just simply podcast, and you know, let's keep that between us. But I want the podcast family here. Listen, if you've been a part of this podcast family from, I mean, clear back, right? Like, five, what has it been? Five, six years, or something? Like, I mean, you're the real ones, and I appreciate you tuning into my crazy, crazy ideas and all the, all the breaks and randomness over the years. So let's do promo code just podcast p-o-d-c-a-s-t podcast and it'll be substantial it'll be um yeah let's do let's do a 20 percenter you know that's like think about that if you order if you got a five-day hunt coming up and you order five days worth of food like I'm, i'm giving you one of those whole days for free right that you know on most orders That's a $30 to $40 value or so. So podcast, that'll get you 20% off by the time this airs. And we'll keep that in place for the short term. And I just appreciate you guys. Backpacklogistics.com. Custom orders if you want to utilize that. And uh, yeah, Hunt Series, it's back, baby. Let's go find some big old bucks. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.